Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. How many really loves him tonight? Amen. How many has felt the Holy Ghost already in this service this evening? It's been a tremendous touch of the Lord already here all through the day. Praise God. God has met with us. I, I just feel like this is going to be a landmark a meeting for somebody in their life spiritually that they can look back to and say it was that camp, it was that meeting where the Lord changed me. He did something specific for me that I'll never forget. All of us that have lived for God and been on this journey any period of time, we all can concur that there has been times and specific services that come to mind along the way where the Lord ministered to us, where the Lord touched us in a special way. I'm not just, I know every service we receive or we should receive something from the Lord, but I'm talking about special, special occasions in our walk with God where we really needed something. We needed an answer. We had a need. We had a desire for God to, to move in a situation. And in that service, the Lord met with us and our lives were forever changed. And in, in, in one sense of the word, that's the reason why we're still here is because of that one service. You can never underestimate the power of just one apostolic church service. One time when God's people come together and begin to worship the Lord and hear from the Word of God, you can never underestimate that. Some says, well, it's, it's uh, Tuesday night. It's kind of the middle here. We, we've got a couple more nights and days of camp meeting and we can, we can kind of coast tonight. And this service is probably not going to be the high water mark of what we're doing. But you, you take that one service when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, wipe it out of your history, and you wouldn't be here tonight. But that one service changed everything. Amen. Everything's different. And that could be such a service for somebody here this evening. This could be that kind of service for some young person in this house tonight. Somebody could get the Holy Ghost. Somebody's life could be radically changed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I am delighted to be here. Honored for uh, the invitation of being here. I appreciate all of these good men of God that are responsible. We mentioned them last night, but I want to say again how much I, I truly appreciate the hospitality and all the accommodations that are so comfortable that have made our stay here so pleasant. We appreciate that very much. I appreciate uh, all these ministering brethren. What a host of men that we have here. It's good to see our friend Brother Hanscom from up in New Brunswick. And uh, if you've never been to New Brunswick, Canada, first of all, you don't want to go unless you can go and put your feet underneath Sister Hanscom's table and eat some of that good cooking. 
I can tell a few people's been there. Praise God. But it's a long ways from here, and I appreciate them making the sacrifice to, to be here. And then it's good to see our dear friend, Brother Marler, and uh, we love and appreciate him so much. Praise God. How many really come to have church again tonight? Hallelujah. I was reading a little bit the other day and found that the Jews never separated knowing, knowing from doing. They felt that if you weren't doing something, it's because you really didn't know. That could be the only excuse that you really didn't know. That's the reason why you wasn't doing it. Uh, if you weren't worshiping tonight, uh, the only excuse there could be is that you just don't know what it is to feel this Holy Ghost. You, you don't know what it is to feel this presence of God. You don't know like I know what He's done for me. I'm thankful that He saved me. I'm thankful that He delivered me. I'm thankful that I've been baptized in His name and filled with His Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because I know i got a responsibility tonight to worship the Lord. Praise God. If you have your Bibles without any further delay, let's go to the book of Genesis chapter number 1. You reckon you can find that? We're just going to start here in the beginning. The book of beginnings. Praise God. Genesis chapter number 1. And I want to read verse 25. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was, everybody say good. God saw that it was good. Let's skip on down here to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now we've read from the beginning. Let's, let's go to the end. I'm just kind of taking the two ends of Scripture. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation chapter number 12. Somebody say praise the Lord. I hope you didn't use up all your energy in the pre-service, but you got a little bit left. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter number 12 and verse 12, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great, having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. 
I want to preach for the next little while. The Lord will help us. The intensity of the end time. The intensity of the end time. Let me believe we're living in that hour. Before the coming of the Lord, I believe He's soon to come. Praise God. Let's lift up our hands and our voices once again. And let's pray for His touch in this service. We need His help. We need His strength. We need His anointing in this place. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we're asking You to move. Praying, dear God, for Your will to be done in this house. Touch every heart, soul, and life that is gathered in this place. Strengthen us. Encourage us through Your Word. Inspire somebody here tonight. Give them a fresh anointing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would somebody worship that name right now? Come on. Thank you so much for standing and you may be seated. As you read the first chapter of Genesis, you will notice that after each creative event, there is a statement that continues to reappear in the Scripture. Simply, and God saw that it was good. We find this statement over and over again throughout the story of creation. God spoke of things being good. And when you examine the word good, it just simply means to be desired or to be approved of. So when God made what He made in the beginning, He made it to be acceptable. It was good in His sight. Verse 25, when creation week was completed, it says, and God saw that it was good. Then it goes on to say in verse 31 that it was very good. It was approved of Him. It was acceptable. It was something that was to be desired. We know that often the word good is expressed to uh, give a measure of satisfaction. We say things like, you did a good job, or they sang good tonight, or they sounded good, or the musicians, they played good on their instruments. In other words, what was done was acceptable. It was to be desired. It was to be approved of. So I noticed that all that God did in the beginning, in the works of creation, God saw that it was good. But as you move forward, as you progress forward in the Scripture, you'll find that there is a shift that occurs. Because in the book of Revelation, you begin to see a different word being used to describe the atmosphere, the environment, and the events of the end time. Now, I don't pretend to be a Bible scholar. I don't dig too deep into eschatology. I certainly don't have all the answers to the book of Revelation. I didn't come tonight to predict uh, when the Lord is going to come. I don't think the fellow that wrote the book really knew all of the details and the things that he was writing about. I didn't come to identify uh, all of those horses in the book of Revelation. I decided a long time ago I'd leave that up to somebody else. 
I don't know the meaning or the times for all of the trumpets and the vials that I read about. And I really hope that I'm not here to find out more about them. However, I believe there is something that has and will continue to affect all of us in this end time. In Genesis, the word good is used to describe the environment as it was in the beginning. But as you reach the end, everything changes. And there is a totally different explanation of the events in the end time. We do not see the word good so much anymore, but it's replaced with another word, the word great. Revelation 18 and 2, he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the whole of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Then in verse 10, standing afar off, the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. I've always been amazed by that particular verse of Scripture when I've read it. That that seems so formidable, that that seems so powerful and strong, that spirit of the last day, that seems so powerfully strong that resists you and I, just in one hour, it is brought to naught. In verse 6, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. And as you go through the book of Revelation, you don't see very much good, but everything is great. Revelation 2 and 22 talks about great tribulation. Revelation 6 and 4, a great sword. 6.12, a great earthquake. 6.17, a great day of His wrath. 8 and 8, a great mountain burning with fire. 8 and 10, a great star from heaven. 9 and 2, a great furnace. Revelation 11.11, 11, a great fear. 11.19, great hell. 12 and 1, great wonder. 12.9, the great dragon. 16 and 9, great heat. 17 and 1, the great horror. 17 and 5, Babylon, the great. And the definition of the word great is what I want you to really receive and to get here tonight. Great of an extent or amount or intensity considerably above normal or the average. An intensity that is above the norm or the average. As God pulled back the curtain of the end time and gave John a gaze, a look into some of the events that were going to transpire in the end time, John saw something that was above average. John saw something far more intense than any other day. 
because the word great is used over and over again to describe the end time. Everything about the end time is done with intensity. Nothing is average. Nothing is mediocre. Nothing is just normal. Nothing is just status quo. Do you understand that as you move into these last days, that we are not encountering a casual, complacent, or laid-back enemy, but the spirit of this end time that has been unleashed in this hour is an intense spirit. It's an, uh, an above average. Oh yeah, it's above normal. We are witnessing resistance that is unprecedented. There's an attack on the apostolic family. Come on, this is an apostolic family camp. I wonder if there's anybody that can concur with this preacher tonight. You know what I'm talking about. There's an intense spirit of resistance that is against apostolic families. There's an all-out attack on godly values with the legalization of same-sex marriages. Rush Limbaugh was was recently reading something that was sent to him by a man that was in the military. He said, when I joined the military, it was illegal to be a homosexual. Then it became optional. And now it's legal. He said, I think I'm going to get out of the military before it becomes mandatory. There's an attack. I said, there's an attack on godly values in America. There's an attack on apostolic identity. There's an attack, an all-out attack by hell upon our children and our young people. Look at the increased popularity of all of this paranormal stuff. You go to the bookstore and the shelves are lined with all these vampires and, and spiritualism and shamanism and all this crazy paranormal stuff. Not to mention all of the sinister games designed to capture and destroy the minds of children at a very young age. There's an attack on young people with all of the humanistic teaching that goes on in our high schools and our universities. I read about a, a cynical young medical student that confronted his pastor after he had been in medical school for some time and he said, Pastor, I have dissected the human body and I'm just here to report to you I didn't find a soul. The pastor said, well, that's interesting. He said, when you dissected uh, uh, the brain, did you find a thought? When you dissected the eye, did you find vision? When you dissected the heart, did you find love? Those are things that cannot be seen with the natural eye. The Apostle Paul told me there's some things that you cannot receive in the flesh, but you can only obtain and receive them through the Spirit. They can only be understood and discerned by the Spirit of God. I'm going to tell you, I may not be able to see God incarnate here tonight, but I can sure see the effects of God in these altars already as young people begin to worship the Lord. I see him in every life that is changed and every heart that is delivered and every person that receives this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. I see that he's alive and he's still working among his people today. 
Come on, let's clap our hands and let's give praise unto the Lord. But it's as intense as this spirit is. I want to remind you that the spiritual resistance that you felt, the spiritual resistance that you feel when you pray, that challenges your worship, that rises against your every attempt to live for God. John saw it thousands of years ago. And he described it as being above average or above the norm. Revelation 12, 12. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to live from this passage of Scripture that I want to deal with here tonight. If the devil knows that the end is near and it has affected his level of intensity, then may I ask the question tonight, how should the church be responding in this hour? If the end time has affected the way that devil runs his business and the way he operates and how he affects us and resists us, how should the church be responding in this end time out? Praise the Lord. The Gospel of Mark chapter number 2. I was reading through it and it's a familiar story. The man that was carried by his four friends to the house where Jesus was. And they realized almost immediately that they would not be able to enter into the house through the door. And so that didn't stop them because they knew the desperate situation that was at hand. And they got on the roof and the Bible said they broke it up. And they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And Jesus saw their faith. I just want to stop and tell you tonight that God's not just looking for needs in this house. Needs are not enough to get His attention. But what He's really looking for is somebody that has faith to believe Him that their need can be met. Praise the Lord. If a need by itself was enough, we wouldn't need a hospital. We wouldn't need doctors. Amen. And some of you wouldn't be feeling like you're feeling tonight. If a need by itself was enough. But what God is looking for is faith. He said, when I find faith when I come. Praise the Lord. But there were those that were in that house. They didn't expect it to happen like this. Their idea of having churches is all, all that happens around here. And every need that is met around here, it happens a certain way. Everybody has to come through the normal way of entry. Everybody has to come through the door if they're going to get to Jesus. And so when these men broke up the roof and let down the bed where in the sick of the palsy lay and Jesus touched this man and he was healed, they made this statement. They said, we've never saw it on this fashion. Oh, I'm just going to give you my modern translation for that. I'm going to tell you what they really said was this, is we've never had church like this before. 
Come on, I'm going to tell you, if you're interested in just having the same three points in a poem, coming to church and having testimony service and a few songs and going home the same way, that isn't going to cut it in this hour. That isn't going to get the job done in the end time. I want to somebody that come to camp this week with your mind made up. I come to have church like I've never had church before. I come to have a move of God like I've never had a move of God before. I come to yield myself to the Lord. I come to worship Him. I come to shout. I come to run the aisles. I come to leap for joy. I come to sing the song. I'm not just going to be a spectator, but I'm going to be a participator in what God is doing. I'm not just going to sit back and scoff and, and let somebody else do all the praying and do all the shouting and do all the worshiping, but I'm going to be involved in what God is doing. Sometimes we expect God to move within the confines of our program. In our plans. But I'm going to tell you, it's He that orchestrates this thing. We always got to make room for the Holy Ghost to interrupt whatever we're doing. I'm going to tell you, the only agenda that's going on here tonight is that God have His way. The Spirit of the Lord be able to move as it wishes in this house. You don't have to wait till the altar service to get a breakthrough tonight. You don't have to wait till the preacher concludes before you get through to the Holy Ghost tonight. You get victory right there standing between those pews. Right while the preacher is preaching. You can get your miracle. You can receive what you need from God in this house. I'm going to tell you the times are too intense. We need to have church like we've never had it before. We need intense prayer. We need intense worship. We need intense sacrifice. We need intense evangelism. It's not a time to back off. It's not a time to let down. It's not a time to let go. It's not a time to rethink what you believe. If the devil's ramping up his efforts in this end time, the church's intensity should be commensurate with the attack of the devil. The single letter O is, it appears 1,100 times in the Scripture. It's a word of intensity. It's a word of feeling. It's a word of passion. The psalmist said, Oh! Taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't believe he was casual about it. I don't believe that he was... As he wrote those words that he was just looking for filler or just writing to be writing, but I, I think this was an expression from his heart. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He's good. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. He was saying, I don't want to do this by myself. I don't want to try. I can have church by myself, but I don't want to have church by myself. 
you get together with me and let's have church together. Let's worship God together. Let's have a move of God together. Oh! Come on, it's time you put some O in your prayer. It's time you put some O in your worship. It's time you put some O in your shouting. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. It's time somebody gets serious about a move of God. Get serious about having what you desire from the Lord in this camp meeting. It's time you get serious about having church. Yeah. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. There's no telling what could happen if somebody just let go. Quit worrying about the person standing beside you, what they think. and Quit trying to impress somebody else and just say, God, I come to worship you tonight. I kind of feel like something's breaking up in this house. I kind of feel like somebody's got their mind made up. I'm going to get through tonight. Hold on just a minute. There, there is a principle. You can stay right where you're at. In Revelation 12, 12. That I, I feel we fail to grasp sometimes. The devil really here shows his hand. He comes down with great wrath. He intensifies his efforts. He pulls out all the stops. Why? Because he knows, around to somebody and say he knows, he knows his time is short. The anger of the devil is kindled when he thinks about the shortness of his time. But that same understanding, if you can get this revelation tonight, should inspire every saint of God in this place. That if the devil is fighting me harder, it's because he knows that his time is almost up. He knows that it's almost over. That victory isn't too far ahead for me. The hold that he has on my marriage, the hold that he has on my health, the hold that he has on my finances, the hold that he has on my children, it's almost over. You say, how do you know that? Well, if the devil's angry, and if the devil's fighting, it's because he knows his short time. He knows it's almost up. 
the shorter the time the devil has in a situation, the angry he gets. He knows by looking at some of you young people here tonight that all of his scheming and all of his temptations and attacks and resistance and fighting against you is all coming to an end. He's through everything at you but the kitchen sink and you're still here. You're still standing. You're still worshiping. You're still believing. You still got your faith. It hasn't diminished your passion for the things of God. So I want you to be careful tonight that you don't read too much into your struggle. That you don't read too much into your trial. Just because you feel attacked doesn't mean that the devil has the upper hand. Just because you feel under a burden, it does not mean that the victory is going to go to the devil. Rather, victory is closer to you than you think it is. I have a word for somebody tonight. When it seems that the enemy's at his height, the feat is almost certain. The fact is that Satan is getting ready to fall. What's true in nature is true in the Word of God. Amen. We know it's been said that the darkest hour is just before daylight. When the wave reaches its furthest ebb out, then it turns around and it comes back. While Haman is building a gallows to hang Mordecai, God is over here preparing a banquet to elevate him. But Pharaoh and the Egyptians, their anger is intensified and they make an effort to stop the growth of the nation of Israel. The Bible says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiply and grow. While Caesar is doing his best to stamp out Christianity, they are sprouting up in his own house. For Paul said, the saints of Caesar's household saluteth you. Understand, just because the devil has intensified his attack against you is not an indicator that he's winning. It's because he realizes that his time's almost up. That gives you a fresh perspective of your trial. That should give you a fresh perspective of your circle, of your problem. It's almost over. I can shout and rejoice and worship God tonight because it's coming to an end. General, General Jonathan Wainwright was captured by the, the Japanese in the Philippine Islands. He was the highest ranking officer to ever be incarcerated and be a POW. And for three years he endured the worst kind of punishment that one could receive as a prisoner of war. But while in captivity he made it his daily goal and this was to keep him focused and Keep him alive during his captivity. He made it his daily goal to learn as much of the Japanese language as he possibly could. And after some three years of being incarcerated, he had learned to decipher certain words and pick out conversation. And he 
of course, did not tell this to the Japanese guards. And soon the atom bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the Japanese surrendered and word reached the Philippine Islands. And the Japanese guards that were guarding General Wainwright were notified that the Japanese had surrendered. The war was technically over. And they were discussing this outside of the cell of General Wainwright. Among themselves, in their own native tongue, they were talking about what had just transpired in the war, uh, the Japanese having surrendered it. And they said, what are we going to do now? And one of them finally spoke up and said, well, we're just going to continue to do what we've always done. It's just going to be business as usual. And so that seemed like uh, the thing to do. And they all picked up their clubs and their sticks and, and went to the cell of General Wainwright to administer his daily beating and, and, to, and to punish him for that morning. And when they walked up to the cell of General Wainwright, he was standing there ready for them. And when they went to put the key in the cell door and grab him by the arm and take him for his daily beating, he stepped back and pointed his finger in their face and said, Oh no, oh no, not today, not today. He says, as of today, I'm in charge. It's not going to be business as usual. You're not going to do what you've always done. As of today, I'm in charge. I'll be making the orders. I'm going to tell you, you came into this camp and the intensity of the enemy was hot. It seemed like the burden was heavy. The devil was fighting. But somebody's getting a revelation around this altar. Not today. No more, devil. You're not going to badger me with that anymore. You're not going to dog me with that anymore. You're not going to suppress me with that anymore. You're not going to hold me down with that anymore. Not today. Today I'm in charge. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I'm on the winning side. I got victory. Why don't somebody throw up your hands right now and let's worship the Lord. Everybody say rejoice. Come on, say it like you mean it. Rejoice! Ye heavens, ye that dwell in them. And then he turns around and said, Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. And he said, You, you that have the perspective that I do, rejoice. Woo! I'm going to tell you, sometimes all we can see is horizontally what's around us. And we look on either side and we say, man, all I can see is trouble and problems and struggle and all I can see is, is difficulty and challenge and resistance. But aren't you thankful that heaven has a different point of view? It has an entirely different perspective. 
It can see a little bit more than what you can I, you and I can see. It can see a little further than what you and I can see. And while sometimes we feel like we're fighting it out, and we feel like we're struggling, and we feel like we're in the thick of it, and it's woe is us. Heaven is rejoicing and shouting because it can see if you hang on just a little longer. If you pray just a little harder. If you have just a little bit more faith. Victory's coming! I said victory's coming! Revival's coming! Breakthrough's coming! Somebody needs to rejoice! I said somebody needs to rejoice! Somebody needs to shout a little bit here tonight! Jesus but I'm thankful I'm thankful I'm thankful that great wrath and great tribulation was in all that John saw that was great but in Revelation 11 and 17 we give thee thanks O Lord God Almighty which art which was and which art to come because thou hast taken to thee great power. Great power. He still has great power no matter what comes against you. No matter how great the power that comes against you is and the trial that comes against you, He has greater power. Thou hast taken to thee great power and has reigned. Now John is starting to see the other side of the thing. Not only did he see a great adversary and great wrath and a great enemy, but now he gets to peek into the glory world and he sees that one that reigns with great power. Amen. I come to tell you that no matter how great the enemy is in the end time, we serve a greater God. When it's all said and done, He's still going to be on the throne. He's still going to be on the throne. He's still going to be in control. Now, when some people read the book of Revelation, their heart fails them and they find it hard to, to really find peace. But I find peace in the knowledge that He's still on the throne. No matter what happens down here. No matter what the scenario is down here. No matter what the circumstances are down here. He still reigns. And He still has great power. He can turn it all around in a moment. Not only is there a great God, but just in case you're wondering, He also witnessed a great church in that last day. 19 and 6 and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the voice of many waters as the voice of mighty thunderings that sound like a weak initiated anemic church in the last days he said they still had the strength they still had the shout they still had the praise they still could worship me a great voice a voice mighty with thunderings saying hallelujah 
Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us rejoice and be glad. is just for me. But I'm telling you, I have faced great trials. I've faced some great challenges. I've faced some great opposition. But I got news. I can still rejoice. I can still worship. I can still shout. I can still give praise. 